Welcome back to the Policy Biz Podcast. I'm your host, John Schwabish. On this week's episode of the show, I have the one and only Ali Torben joining me on the show. If you listen to Data Viz Podcasts, which you must because you're listening to this podcast, you probably know Allie from her podcast, Data Viz Today. And so I invited Allie over to talk about her own work, talk about her background. We talk about her data art, her data patterns, her illustrations. And we sort of have this plan to talk a little bit more about what DataViz will look like going into the future, but we ended up talking about a whole slew of things. We talked about tools. We talked about DataViz generally. We talked about our approach. We talked about our processes. We talked about our day-to-day lives and what it means to sort of do all this DataViz work. It's a really interesting uh, conversation. This same episode is being posted over on the Data Viz Today podcast, so you can listen to it here. You can listen to it over there to get a different opening, different introduction from Allie. Uh, it's really interesting conversation. I hope you'll enjoy it, so I'm just going to get right to it. So here's my conversation with Allie Torben, and I hope you'll enjoy it. Hey, Allie. Very excited for this Data Viz Today Policy Viz podcast joint production. How are you? <laughs> Great to you, John. <laughs> um, we put this off for a long time, so I'm glad we're able to uh, to do this. So we have a kind of unique plan, I think. So we're going to ask each other a question, same, relatively same question, and then we have a plan, right, for, for a yes. longer discussion. Right? Yes. Okay. So let's talk. I'm going to go first, uh, ask you about your day-to-day as a data viz, freelancer, blogger, podcaster, illustrator, like all these, you've got all these different, yes. these different things. So what does your day-to-day look like? I mean, maybe pick like your busiest day. Like oh, okay. what, what does that look like? Okay. So I'm a freelance information designer, DC area, just like you, <laughs> uh, which means I work on contracts that last anywhere between, you know, a couple days to a few weeks to a few months small businesses, big businesses, and I just help them communicate visually. I feel like that's the best way to describe it since like you said, there's yeah. it's a wide variety of things. So um, depending on what kind of client I'm working for, like recently I did a infographic for the Michael J. Fox Foundation, and that was visually showing an idea um, a process. And I illustrated that. So when I do illustration type things, I'm using my iPad and Procreate. And then I go back and forth between my computer and my iPad. And then I do traditional data visualizations also. So another um, project that I worked on was for a large company, uh, a big retailer visually showing um, with Tableau, an interactive dashboard about all their inventory. So it was a very similar but different skill set and then um, I'm also working for uh, Ben and Becky Jones at dataliteracy.com right. and helping them communicate data literacy concepts to a wider audience. So I'm blogging, I'm writing, um, I'm illustrating a comic for them to show data literacy um, concepts. So that's kind of my day-to-day. It's all over the place using different tools. But the underlying thing is that I'm helping people communicate visually with data and information. Do you have one of those that you prefer over the other? Like you had your series on like the wallpaper, which mm-hmm. the, which I loved. And I just like, that's sort of like the huge spectrum of possibilities, like from data comics illustration to infographics, mm-hmm. to like a Tableau dashboard, like just mm-hmm. something like what makes your heart happy? Yeah. 
Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's a great question because that's, there's things that I can do for money, like good money. And then there's yeah. things that I can do that is more, I guess, meditative is the right word because yeah. I picked up the illustration stuff because I've always been kind of interested in it. But uh, during the, when the pandemic first started, I was getting a lot of anxiety and mm. I discovered illustrating was a, on my phone. I downloaded the Procreate app on my phone yeah. and creating these little illustrations, the Dataviz inspired wallpapers was a really great way for me to uh, not be sucked in by doom scrolling on Twitter and <laughs> <laughs> having in panic attacks, watching yeah. CNN. Yeah. So it really became a meditative practice for me, creating illustrations. And that's when I really get lost in, you know, I lose track of time yeah. and I really feel fulfilled after I create a illustration or um, some sort of data art piece. And I think I've been trying to find a way to bridge the gap between meditation and communication, Yeah, like communicating visually in those two ways. How do you kind of bridge that gap where someone would pay me to create an illustration, right? So you got to find <laughs> right. a way to use illustration as a way of communication. So if I had to choose a favorite, I think this kind of data comic thing I'm doing for data literacy is really a beautiful marriage between the two. It's me illustrating, which I love to do, storytelling, um, but also communicating important information to people that can have an impact. So that's what I'm really loving doing right now. That's great. Are you a... Uh... A comic book no reader? I'm not no not I'm not. not no not at all not oh. at all which is very funny I yeah. think other than XKCD I didn't don't really read comics but yeah it is an amazing field I went to the library and just took out all the books they have on comics and <laughs> yeah they have um I mean I'm sure I'm sure you know that it's a very rich field that I can learn from but yeah I wasn't really a big comic reader beforehand yeah well I'll just I'll just say to, to wrap this this section up so I remember seeing Scott McCloud mm -hmm. at the first Tapestry conference give like the closing keynote. And and it reminded remind me of it because Ben Jones was also there. And I think we like sat next to each other. Um, and Scott McCloud's closing keynote was like one of the most amazing talks I've seen live. And, you know, his book is like just for me, it was eye opening to see like, oh, there's like a science behind this, mm -hmm. the way you do it. And his the way he presented was both like his slides sort of ran horizontally and then they ran vertically because he's sort of telling these stories through the comics and the mm -hmm. comics don't always run in the panels like mm -hmm. left to right, A, B, C, D, and they can run in different dimensions. And he did that within the presentation. So, okay. So before I, before I flip that, let me, let me then ask this. So when you think about these comics, are you thinking like a linear storytelling or are you really, cause that's, I think how we think about like data viz is like mm -hmm. this line goes up. Mm -hmm. Um, but you have more freedom with the comics. So like, do you change your, your thought process with stories? Hmm. Yeah, it's Scott McCloud has many books and I skimmed through many of them from the library. And one of the things that he, one of the techniques he suggested was you write out, you know, you have your main plot, uh, storyline, you know, the intro, and then you have the conflict and the resolution. So you have to think in those terms, like general storytelling terms. Um, but then you also have to think about what you're going to show visually, what you're going to show with words, and then what you're going to show as a combination of the two. And then what view you're going to show within each frame, how much time you're going yeah. to skip within each frame. So it is very complex. And 
in my mind, you know, I don't have that much experience doing it, but the way that I find myself thinking about it is almost like um, in snapshots of time. Mm. So here's the quick view. Here's what I'm trying to communicate visually and through words in this snapshot of time. Then I'm, what am I going to show in this snapshot of time? Um, and how am I going to do it very efficiently? So it yeah. sits within a page. So right. what I like to do is write out all the information I need to convey in this. Um, and then what the story is going to be like the characters doing things to convey that information. And then I go back and I circle the things that I'm going to show visually. And then the things I'm going to show with words and with both. Right. So it is, it, you do have to think quite differently than you do when you're creating a yeah. data visualization. It sounds like a lot of planning. Yes, it is. That's, yeah. It's very front loaded with planning. Right. And just like a podcast, right? Yeah. <laughs> oh, we don't even you, need to get into all that. You do a yeah. lot of yeah. <laughs> planning and scripting and editing right. and everything. And then you get the 20 minutes beautiful package at the end. You mean you don't just like flip on the microphone and do a podcast and you're done? <laughs> Chit chat. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So that's, that's my day. If yeah. I may now hear about your day, because I think you are in a super uh, unique situation where you are doing your own research, creating your own data visualizations for your research, but then also like a whole nother side career of helping other people yeah. uh, get better at their data visualizations. So what does your day even look like? Yeah, it's uh it's a little crazy. So I've got a almost full-time job, so I'm not quite 100% at the Urban Institute. And at Urban, I split my time. So half of my time is doing research and half of my time is in the communications department. So it's an interesting split. A, a lot of people ask me like why don't I just do policy viz like consulting stuff full-time? But I really still identify as a researcher, as an economist, and I really like working not only with the people that I work with at Urban, but also just like on those topics that I just, that are really important, right? Like a lot of the work I've done during the pandemic was on nutrition issues. So like, how do we feed kids from low-income households who, when they're in school, they participate in the school breakfast program or the school lunch program, and they get, that's how they, you know, that's how they're getting meals. Mm -hmm. What do you do when there is no school, right? Like how, how do you get food to, to these kids? And how do we do so efficiently and, you know, within budget and, you know, lots of different questions. Um, and then I've been doing a lot more research over the last six months or so on disability issues. So it's an issue, a topic area that I worked on a lot a few years ago, and it's sort of gotten a little quiet on the policy front. And now it's sort of come back. Uh, there's a lot of questions, obviously, on sort of uh, the Social Security side of things, which is where I spent my early career working on. Um, and now where I'm finding is this uh, discussion of the intersection between people with disabilities and food insecurity. So how do we look at those those two topics together? Mm -hmm. But then there's the whole data viz side of things. Um, and I would say there's a lot of overlap between the stuff I do at Urban and the stuff I do at Policy Viz. So it's a lot of same sort of thing that you mentioned, a lot of consulting. I'll say that more recently, I'd say especially during the pandemic, um, it's been a lot of like critical reviews for uh, people and organizations, which I really have come to enjoy. So they'll say, look, we have this internal report, or we have this series of web pages, or we have this Tableau dashboard. Can you give us feedback? And so I'll go through and sort of basically write up a report. Um, mm -hmm. And I have a kind of a system set up for that. So like, I have a kickoff call, so I can understand, I think, you know, you and I probably see eye to eye in a lot of this, like, 
it's one thing to be like, can you critique our dashboard or our visualization or our infographic or our comic, right? But like, if I don't know what you're trying to get across or who your audience is or, you know, what the most important data points are, it's like critiquing a visualization just for the sake of critiquing it isn't particularly useful. Mm-hmm. Um, I say that even though I've been doing these like data viz critiques on my YouTube channel, like, you know, <laughs> uh, but you know, okay. Um, but it's more important to get that audience piece, I think is the most important part. Um, I had no idea that, um, that this whole critique thing was a, I don't know, a business. <laughs> yeah. And it's great because what I really like about it is it empowers the organization and the people in the organization to be better at their visualizations and going forward. So Mm -hmm. they could hand something to me and say, here's a bunch of data. Can you make something for us? And yeah, I could do that. My basic toolkits, I think as most people know, is like Excel, R, and Tableau. And I'm by no means an expert in Tableau. So usually I'll call up, you know, another Tableau person to help me with the Tableau stuff. But um, I actually like the critique part because I can say, look, you know, let's examine this particular visualization. And Um, here's what I would do differently. Here's where you're not telling the right story. And once we have, like, I'll deliver the report and then we'll have a long call. And what it does is empower them to say, oh yeah, okay, I can see why this one thing that John mentioned is a better way to do it. And then they can carry that forward into all of their other work. So, um, so I find it really rewarding because it's, what is that? What is that saying? It's like teach a person to fish, Mm -hmm. give a person, whatever it is. Yeah. You know that saying, give a person a fish and, and, and I, I read something um, a couple weeks ago that it's not just about teaching someone to fish, but it's also teaching them to fish and giving them the fishing rod, right? Mm-hmm. So you need to give them the tool. So as an example, I'm working with a client that does, they're a private sector, they do uh, reviews on pension programs. And so I can discuss their visualizations and what they're, what I think is good and bad about these visualizations. But we had long discussions early on about the way that they were presenting them in these long, like PDF uh, decks was cumbersome. It was difficult to move the data from one thing to another. And so um, we talked about lots of different toolkits and they ended up uh, through long conversation we had, they ended up going to Flourish. They're using the, the Flourish tool. And so what they can do with Flourish is they can basically create kind of a stepper. So it's kind of like a, you think about a stepper or a slide deck, but it's in Flourish. Um, it's interactive. So they get sort of these additional components. And so they have this new toolkit. So it's not just about saying, you know, this bar chart would be better off as you know, some other chart, but it's also saying this bar chart would be better off as a line chart. And it would be better if you didn't, you know, weren't doing, I don't know, the small multiples in Excel because you're doing 40 of them and you're updating it every week. That's mm-hmm. not an efficient use of your time let me show you how to do this in R or do it in Tableau or let's figure out how to do it in Flourish. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, that's a really interesting combination of it's like strategy, training and yeah. delivering a product. Yeah. And it's <laughs> and it's at the end of the day, it's like, you know, they're still going to create it. I'm not going to, you know, I can help them create it, but they're mm-hmm. going to do it. And so once our relationship ends, I hope that they're sort of off on their own and, and ready to mm-hmm. ready to go. How do people find you to do that work? Or like what, if somebody wanted to get that work done, what kind of words are they searching for, you think? That's a really good question. And like, I bet if we had like Cole Naflick on, on 
chatting with us, she would know like the best, like best marketing. I'm like really terrible at that. But um, <laughs> I think as you've probably experienced too, the, as you put out content and you say, I mean, I think I've been trying to, you know, focus on this word critique a little bit and, and redesign and empowering. And I think there's just like, there's key words around data and data viz and mm-hmm. data communication. Um, I mean, I find a lot of my work comes through word of mouth. Um, and I have, especially through my work at Urban, where I do very similar sorts of things, but Urban has, um, because it's a nonprofit uh, and nonpartisan nonprofit, has some specific funding principles. So like, so this is sort of the weird split, right? Firms that don't fall under those funding principles, that's where I'll do the policy work. So that's sort of okay. the, the split. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, I'll do work for, uh, you know, research programs where they'll have like a cohort of, of research teams that they're guiding through. And a lot of these programs um, through different funders and different universities, they're teaching, especially young scholars, data viz and presentations and how to write and how to communicate and how to talk to the media. And so there's all these different pieces and how to do research, right? How to mm-hmm. how to do better at your statistics and your regressions and your mapping and whatever it is. And so I'm often just a component of these programs that are being put together. And so, um, you know, I'll do one for university of such and such, and then university of so-and-so will email me and said, Oh, I heard that you're doing this program, you know? Uh So, I mean, that's the best, right? Like, I mean, I'm sure you've had this experience, right? Like that's the best feeling when someone emails you and said, Oh, I heard from so-and-so that you do a great thing. You know, we'd like to, we'd like to bring you on. That's, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I feel like that's better than like, I saw your website or I, you know, I saw this thing. Do you do this? It's like, yeah, they, they're a little bit more committed to the relationship yeah. rather than, Hey, yeah. are you going to be cheap? <laughs> right, right. Exactly. Yeah. And so it's, it's, um, the days are a bit hectic. I would say, I would say during the, the one thing about the pandemic that has been a little bit advantageous, <laughs> um, work-wise, not like work balance wise, work life balance wise for sure. But like not having my hour commute into mm-hmm. DC, mm-hmm. you know, I can jump on the email at 7am and, you know, bang out 30 minutes of email mm-hmm. um, and then go and work out or, you know, get the kids to wherever they have to go um, and then sort of come back. So there's that like early morning part where my workflow is just like, I like to kind of like bang some easy, like the low hanging fruit stuff, like bang that out real quick and then, you know, get into the rest of the day. So mm-hmm. uh, I don't know how things will change for me once the world opens back up and I'm back in the office um, and kids are back in school, yes. hopefully crossing fingers. <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> are, do you have another book plan? Cause it seems like oh, writing God. a book is <laughs> so much work. I don't know why anybody does it actually. But, yeah, I don't I mean, know. <laughs> it's like owning a house. Like you just bought a house, right? Like, yes. like it's the same thing. Like why does anybody ever buy a house? It's just like, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, yes. More headaches, but it, I do headaches. love your book. It's kind of like the, I don't want to say dictionary, but almost like a dictionary for yeah. data viz where you can just go in and get some inspiration, understand uh, better data visualizations is what we're talking about. Yeah. And it's, it's really great that you can get uh, inspiration, but also learn about the chart type and see examples. So I, I can tell that it took so much work to put together. Yeah. And funny that like, before we got on this call, I was emailing with my editor because we're like fixing some typos and like oh. have to go through back through some images and like renumber oh. them. And mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, thanks. Thanks. Yeah. The book I think turned out longer than I thought it was going to be. Um, but yeah, it is that sort of encyclopedia of, of graph types. I have a couple of ideas for a next book, but I don't have the energy. Yet. Like mm-hmm. I have, you know how it, it takes yeah. you time, but I actually, I'm going to turn this back to you. So like, 
do you see a book in your future? Like, and specifically, I'm wondering, like, do you see like a date of his comic book in your future? Maybe. Yeah. yeah. We'll have to talk to Ben about that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I just like, I no, can't I think, think like SKCD yeah. seems like the only one that would be like even close. Yeah. There, there are actually small. I mean, there are like drawing ones. Yeah, more like, like funny, yeah, like puns. Date, right. like Dataviz with puns, like Michelle right, right, right. Ryle, real. Yeah, 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 right. yeah, yeah. Right. It was more um, like that one. Puns. But yeah, I think that if I were to do something, I think I should. I think maybe you can give me some advice on this. But if I'm going to mix a book, it should be on one of the topics where I feel very motivated and I yeah. enjoy doing it. And I think from your earlier question, what's the kind of work that kind of gives me the most joy? Uh, yeah. That kind of thing is the is the thing. So I think if I were to do a book, it probably would be around something where I could do a lot of illustrations. Yeah. I mean, I think the key is to, for me at least, it's something that yeah gives you joy because mm -hmm. you're going to spend a year or two writing it and like, you don't want it to be like something that you hate and something where you have, you know, I think it's like where you have something to say and where you can add value to people, especially in our line of work, mm -hmm. you add value to people, how they're going to do their data of work. And I think mm -hmm. your comic stuff and your illustration just more generally, like, I think those have those elements to it, right? Like, first off, it gives, well, I'll speak for myself. It does give me joy to see those wallpapers. Like, mm -hmm. it's just, it's mm -hmm. just great. But I think, you know, you have things to say about DataViz and the process and how people do their work. And, and so there's value there. And I think to help people do their own DataViz, I think there's a niche there mm -hmm. uh, that I think you can you can fit into. But yeah, I would say for anybody thinking about writing a book, like be prepared yes. <laughs> because it is. you have to really to love the topic really right? love <laughs> <laughs> and be organized. Like that's the other thing is like and I, I have on my my little index card. Here's like my day to day like index card of lists is like organize all the images from my book. Oh, gosh. Um, Cause like we, I have the full list and then like some were edited and then there were typos fixed and they're just, they're all over the place and they're not in like one directory. And it, I try to be organized. So stay organized. Yeah. <laughs> you did a lot of managing files. Oh yes. My God. <laughs> well, I really loved hearing about your day because I was always wondering kind of how you balanced all your stuff, but yeah. I also have a second burning question okay. that I really, really want to talk to you about. Yeah. So I was listening a little backstory, listening to a podcast called um, The Business of Authority, and they were talking about uh, one of the hosts is a web developer, and he was talking about how some careers have expiration dates uh, because you get your uh, your career so wrapped up in a particular tool that, you know, eventually tools go out right I mean, what is it that jeff bezos i think quote where he said someone asked him uh what do you think is going to be different in 10 years and he was like what's not going to be different in <laughs> yeah, 10 yeah, years right. and so as a database designer everybody wants to talk about tools right yeah. and everybody thinks it's kind of about the tool and i was thinking well how am i gonna most efficiently future proof my career and kind of what are the other skills that are super important for me to be focusing on honing, not like getting secondary, but focus on honing. So yeah. when Tableau or sorry, I don't want to name any names, but like any, any tool, right. really any no, tool any of them. Goes, yeah. goes out or people move to the next tool. Right. Right. 
what's what are the skills that are going to make me be a successful data viz designer right now on earth or 10 years from now on mars (laughs) (laughs) it's a it's a it's a great question because like if we think about our current toolkits right from tableau to excel to javascript to flourish to data you know whatever whatever the tools are like eventually augmented reality virtual reality are going to be a thing right i mean i think to date we sort of like it hasn't quite worked. I mean, maybe some of the augmented reality, like the weather channel where they have like the water blowing up, but like, that's going to be a thing. And like, I have no idea. Like, I'm not going to go learn virtual reality tools. Mm-hmm. Like, I just don't see that. So, mm-hmm. but I think the, the core of, of communicating data will still be similar, right? Like, so like the central tenets of like, how do you communicate your message? How do you explain to people how to use different graphs? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so I, I guess, you know, my question to you would be like, in terms of a lot of the stuff that you're doing, because it's illustration, mm-hmm. like, I, I feel like the illustration will always have a place. Mm-hmm. And I, and I feel like we have this like real run up on like digital tools. And then there was this big pullback or, or I guess pushback really from a lot of different parts of the field to say, why can't we just do more drawing? Right. And it's mm-hmm. like, you and SKCD is an example, and and Stephanie and Georgia doing Dear Data and and data sketches, and and there's just like a lot of projects. So like, do you think even ten years from now, when you're on Mars, that like illustration and sketching will be such a such a central part of the field? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I do. I think that um, you know people drew on in caves. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you right. know you 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 want to be able to um, write things down and show people things visually. And where I think no matter what your tool set is, like if you're holding a pen in your hand or you are, you know, neck deep in JavaScript, you, the skill of being a partner with the person with information mm-hmm. is kind of the, the big skill, you know, yeah. like my first job out of college was a business analyst and I was helping gather requirements for software development. And at first I was like, I cannot believe this is a job. <laughs> like, I didn't know this was a job, but you know, there has to be someone who's talking to the client, figuring out what they want to do, writing, writing down the requirements, and then talking to someone who knows the tool and translating that into a solution. So um, there's the tool part, which is what we were talking about. But yeah. I think as the tools change, you know, the person who is coding things up, they lose a little bit of value if somebody... Uh, changes the tool randomly, like they have right. no control. They have no control. No of control that. of that, right? But the skill of knowing how to draw that information out of a client and translate it for a technical person, I f- I feel like that's the skill. What yeah. do you think? Yeah, I think so. So I've said for a while, and I think we agree on this that there's not like a person that can do all of this, mm-hmm. right? That can do the data work and the design and the I guess, computer science or building the visualization. There's all these different pieces of it. And I've sort of said for a while, there's like the goal for us as individuals is not to be able to do all of that, like the unicorn, right? That we need these teams. And and my my instinct is that that will become even more the case as the technology and the tools become more complicated, Mm -hmm. uh, become more intricate when we think about different platforms, right? Like we went from a world where it was like, printed on the newspaper 
to printed newspaper and on a computer, mm -hmm. to printed on the newspaper, desktop computer, phone, tablet. Now we're going to start adding virtual reality, augmented reality, whatever the other communication devices are so that so the platforms change and are going to evolve. And, and I just, my instinct is that teams are going to be just so much more important in the future, mm -hmm. which we could discuss, I think, for a long time, but like, how is that going to work in a post-pandemic world of like a mixed hybrid in-person virtual world? That's like a different discussion. But mm -hmm. to your point about like, the key is how to draw out those insights and then how to communicate them. I still think teams are going to be so crucial to that. Mm -hmm. um, what about, uh, I think, I guess we're just talking about being a generally a good consultant, right? <laughs> like right. Knowing, yeah. knowing, knowing which questions to ask, which you yeah. do need to have expertise yeah. to, which maybe you got by having a tool, by knowing a tool and having experience with it. So you have expertise, which means that you know which questions to ask mm -hmm. um, when you're talking to somebody. So that means if you hone your skill on translating your expertise into questions, then you, it doesn't matter what tool you use. Well, again, it sort of depends. But I would say the tool itself matters less than the crucial thing that you just mentioned, which is this translation, right? Mm. And how do you know what are the right questions to ask? And how do you find that insight? Because at the end of the day, you know, for example, if I had a client that said, we want you to critique this, and, you know, I give them all this feedback, and they say, okay, you know, you've convinced us that we should go to a Tableau solution, or we should go to a comic book solution. Can you do that for us? And I would say, well, no, but I can call my friend Allie, and she and I can work together and we can, you know, work amongst the two of us and Allie can draw the comics for you. And mm -hmm. then we could, then we can deliver that back to you. And so, again, I don't think it's, it's the tool specific. I, I always try to be tool agnostic. Um, and, and hopefully people have seen that in, in the better data viz book that like my goal in all those images, I used so many different tools in that book. Like, I did my like real first like stuff in JavaScript. I did a lot of R. I did a lot of Tableau. I did a bunch of Illustrator. I did raw graphs. I did mm -hmm. data wrapper. I did you know, a lot in Excel. Like I used all those tools. And hopefully when you read the book, you can't really tell which tool was used to make those things. Except for, except mm -hmm. for I will admit that the matrix does look very Tableau. Like that's, that's the one. It's hard not to. But I ran out of, I ran out of energy by the time I got to like, you know, it's like a 10 by, t you know, 15 by 15 grid. And I didn't feel like just doing all the hard work. Like it was yeah. so easy in Tableau. So like mm -hmm. type it to Illustrator and just kind of be done with it. Um, <laughs> because it, 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 it doesn't really, and I know lots of people disagree with us on this, right? Because there is like the Tableau camp and the R camp and the Python mm -hmm. camp. and the mm -hmm. JavaScript camp. But I just think a tool is a tool. And if you're a shop that uses Microsoft and you have Excel is already in your budget because you're spending, you need Word and PowerPoint, mm -hmm. there's nothing wrong with Excel. Are you going to use Excel to build interactive dashboards online? No, like, mm -hmm. but that's not what it's built for. Mm -hmm. And are you going to use, I don't know, take another example, you know, Power BI to build some sort of beautiful looking custom thing that would show up on the New York Times uh, website? No, probably not. Like, that's not what it's built for. Mm -hmm. um, and to your point about the evolution of new tools, we're going to have to be flexible with that. We're going to have to be able to say, 
this tool is great for this, but not for this other thing. I think like the new tool that I've seen a lot more of is the observable notebooks mm-hmm. that, you know, Mike Bostock has, has started and popularized. And I think where I see that is it's taking JavaScript and also these other, other programming languages, but primarily, I, th- I think, not my area, but primarily JavaScript and making it more collaborative, mm-hmm. right? And that's where the teamwork comes in right? Where you are creating these observable notebooks where people can go in and they can see your code and they can add onto the code and they can, they can edit the code. And, you know, I think that embodies this whole idea of teams and mm-hmm. organizations working together. Back to your point, Allie, I think the, the, the key questions and finding insight, like that's, that's not going to change. How the tools change and how we interact with people, that is going to continue to evolve. I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a, that's a great point because I, I think that if, if specializing in a tool and being really good at a tool is really important and there. Yeah. It's, it can be very lucrative and yeah. very helpful. And if you are part of the team, you know, you, you do need to have a specialization if you're right. part of a team. Right. So you're, you will need probably to be using um, a tool, but I personally, and I hope other people kind of also keep in the back of their mind that they need to be honing a skill beyond, yes. um, beyond the tool and be thinking about putting their expertise into questions and also honing their ability to communicate with another team, uh, which I guess is a skill across any, a great skill across any field. But but I think you make a great point because you could be a JavaScript programmer, like a D3 programmer, and you could love to code and you could love to be neck deep in code all day, but you need to be able to say to the, the rest of your team, you know, the way we've thought about this as I work with the code and as I build the visualization, we're not quite telling the story that I think we want to tell. So mm-hmm. I, yeah, I agree that there's a specialization that's needed. I think that's, I mean, that's how you build the unicorn, right? You have different people specialized, but you have to be able to respect and understand all these different skill sets, right? Like in my experience, a lot of researchers that I've worked with, particularly economists, because we economists tend to look down on everybody. So like, that's just a whole other problem. But like, it, it was especially early on in my experience, at, at particularly at Urban, where people would say, you know, oh, we, we wrote this you know, 200 page report. Can you help put this onto a web page, you know, by the end of the week? And it's like, mm-hmm. no, like, building those web pages and building data visualizations and, and doing the design, these are all skills, and they take time and they take expertise and it's not just like pressing a button to get this stuff done Mm -hmm. and i think if whatever of these different areas that you're that you're doing whether it's the coding or the statistics or the illustration or the writing to be able to understand and respect that all these skills are skills and they take time and expertise to build together i think that's where we end up with with really successful projects Mm -hmm. yeah that's a great point you have a lot of of these questions this expertise built up um when you're doing these consulting projects, do you have a maybe a list of questions or a template that you work off of as you're consulting with people? That's a great question. I do and I don't. So I have a couple of like templates that I use for things. I will say I'm, I'm more formal about presentations than I am really about data viz. I have sort of like four or five questions about data viz that I tend to ask, but it's not like I have it written down. It's sort of like always in the back of my mind. It's like, Mm -hmm. who is your audience? Like, especially if like, actually yesterday, a colleague sent me like a few briefs to look through and they were like, it was a series of stacked bar charts. It was like, we'd really like to like change things up, maybe show some different things. So like first question is always like, who is the audience? 
what do you want them to know? Who, you know, are they policymakers? Are they researchers? Like, who is it? And then, like, it to me, it's always like, is it important for the reader to see the exact values, right? Is it like 2% and 1.9% or is it like this thing's bigger than this other thing? Mm-hmm. And then like, it's helpful when it's specific because I can say, is it important to see this part to whole relationship or is it a level question, right? So like mm-hmm. a little more into the weeds. With presentations, it's, it's I have like a, a worksheet that I send. It's a two-page worksheet that, that I send people. I'm like, here are the 10 questions you need to answer and fill this out and then we'll have a call about it. But I need to know these answers. And it comes right out of my first book. I mean, they're not, I mean, I'm sure you've had this experience, but they're not like groundbreaking questions. Mm -hmm. They're just like prompting people to think hard about these things where they're just like taking it for granted. Mm -hmm. So, so do you have like a specific like script? I I wouldn't call it a script, but since I can't lean on as many years as you have of expertise, I I realize that I can't remember everything. It'll become second nature at some point, but I can't yeah. remember everything. So I did every time I'm in a meeting and I somehow ask a question that made a really good answer come back, I write it down. Yeah, that's like a good for idea. example, um we were I was working with a client. We were trying to figure out which metrics to show on this dashboard. And I was like, what would you see on a dashboard that would make you pick up the phone and call your boss? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> because that's what we need to be showing on this dashboard. And so I wrote that question down. Yeah, so that's I think a good one. that's a great skill for anybody that's listening is to um, notice when you're asking good questions and then write them down and then over time, you're going to have this amazing questionnaire <laughs> yeah. that you, you can pull from and right. be, be that person who um, can be a great Dataviz designer without a specific tool. So have you gotten to the point where you'll send them like that questionnaire as you get started? Or is it more an informal, you have your, your list next to you as you're on the phone? Or do you send them like, here's a Word document, fill these out, and then we can have a call to, to talk more about them? So far, it's been better for me to be on a call and then I walk through it because mm-hmm. then there's just too many questions that uh, don't apply and yeah. I don't want them to be confused by it. And um, so then I get to pick. And then also some just some need a little bit more pulling. So I like yeah. I have a whole section on art direction because I feel like that's very important depending on what you're doing, of course. But right. if it's if it's applicable, it's very important. But a lot of people don't really understand what I'm asking. Like, mm, right. how do you want people to feel when they see this graphic? And a lot of people are just like, I don't know. Choose the happy face or the sad face. Like, where do you want it to be? Right. So I have to feed some words and some adjectives so we can talk about it. So I have found that um, it works better for me so far to have a call about it rather yeah. than sending it to them and answering it. But like you said, if you do have like the three basic questions that you always ask, I can definitely see how that would work where you send that to them ahead of time. Right. So to the tools part of our discussion. So when you're having this more or less towards the beginning of the the engagement, do you talk about tools? I guess there's kind of two questions here. So do you talk about tools and like what their toolkit solution is and maybe what they would want to evolve to. Mm-hmm. And do you also like bring in, I mean, presumably a lot of people are finding you because of a lot of your illustration work. And I, and I just mm-hmm. wonder like, you know, it's so pervasive now to be like, let's make a dashboard and let's make a JavaScript thing. But like, do you talk to people about like, yeah, maybe a comic or an illustration would actually be a solution to this particular project mm-hmm. that you have? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm definitely asking about tools because first of all, I have to know if, 
I can help them with what they need. <laughs> Cause yeah, sometimes right, you, yeah. you know, sometimes people, Oh, well, we only use power BI. I'm like, well, I don't know power BI. So right, like, right. there's really only so I'm not much the right person. For you. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe right. I can do like a strategy piece at the beginning or a discovery yeah. piece, but I can't actually follow through for you. So I'm, I am right. definitely talking about tools beforehand and suggesting things that I know because I am talking to a lot of data biz people. So I do know that there's um, a lot of options out there and I know a lot of options that other people don't know. So um, I am definitely talking talking about tools and helping people figure out what they need um, from a selfish perspective to see if I can help them, but also so they can benefit from my expertise as yeah. well. Because a tool expertise is actually a subset. Maybe yeah. that's the thing that we're talking about. Just yeah. making sure that you know that tool expertise is a subset of your, your data viz expertise. Yeah. I mean, I, I think to your point, like it is knowing, being an expert or being really good, I'm not being an expert, whatever that means, but being really good at a tool is certainly helpful because like you said, if someone wants a Power BI solution and you know how to do Power BI, then you're the person. Mm -hmm. But I also think, again, to your point, if someone wants a Power BI solution, you don't do Power BI, but you could set them up mm -hmm. to be successful. And then to say, hey, I can link you. I, you know, I have a list of people that do Power BI that I know that I can that I put you in touch with. I think as, as freelancers and just as people, like that's just like a good strategy, right? To yeah. like just, just help them uh, find that solution. We got a little bit away from our, our core question of like, what's the future? But like, I think these are all really interesting mm -hmm. strategies and, and techniques. Um, mm -hmm. I want to ask you one, one last question, like coming out of the pandemic, um, as we sort of move towards whatever world we're going to be in, which I think... My instinct is it'll be sort of, sort of hybrid world where like mm -hmm. there's going to be more Zoom meetings and in person and and this and that. Like, do you think that's going to change how we? I'll say as we as like consultants or data biz creators, do you think that's going to change how we do our work? I'm hoping that data viz designers uh, see more of a future for themselves outside of a their the one job that they have or yeah. the one tool set that they use. I guess that's why I, I'm very interested in talking about this topic right now because the pandemic, it just made me feel, want to think a little bit more holistically about, because um, you can see how quickly things can change. Right. So it's just like how maybe that's where this discussion came from is just how am I going to make sure that I can continue to be a data viz designer no matter what happens because so many different things can happen and yeah. companies can go under and uh, tools can crop up out of nowhere. So I just want to make sure that I'm staying um, ahead of it. So I do feel like I'm hoping that after the pandemic, people will think outside of their tool expertise yeah. and think more, more holistically about their, their careers. I know. I think that's a great point. I, I'll also say that I, uh, and I wrote about this a while ago, I was really worried about the, the economy sort of turning and moving into, into recession because the sort of, I would say the peak of like professional data viz development hadn't really experienced a recession. Right. So coming mm -hmm. out of like the Great Recession, 2008, 2007, 2008, we'd had this like prolonged period of economic growth. And I was really worried that the first thing companies and organizations would cut would be their creative departments or the data viz departments, because, you know, maybe that's not central to their to their mission of mm -hmm. selling widgets or, you know, services, whatever. 
but I don't think that happened, right? I mean, I think, I think because of the popularity of yeah. these COVID charts. <laughs> right. Yeah, that's right. I think it's gotten bigger the data yeah. field. Yeah. And so, you know, I think there's there's more I think there's more appreciation, there's more value there. Mm-hmm. Um and so, yeah, I think I think broadening and just I think for all of us recognizing that data viz is not a single thing, right? I think you and I have had the same experience with doing our podcasts, right? That every guest comes to this field from like a totally different place. Mm-hmm. And so because people are coming from a different place and because there's so many skills sort of intertwined in there, that it's not to be successful, I think is not just about being doing one thing. Mm-hmm. It's about, and it can be that one tool, be the expert in that in whatever that one tool is, but also these other pieces that are around it and being able to ask these questions, being able to look at the data and being able to tell stories. I think all of these are are part of this rather complex field. And it's not just like, you know, painting pretty pictures, right? There's, yes. there's more to it than that. So. Yep. It's all about communication. All about communication. Um, <laughs> this has been so much fun. This uh, Data Viz Today Policy Viz joint uh, podcast. Yes. Um, <laughs> So well, thanks thank so much. You. No, thank you for being on my show. <laughs> uh, thank you for being on my show. This is great. All right. Um, thanks, I will John. talk to you soon. Thanks so much, Ellen. All right. Bye. Bye. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of the podcast. I hope you enjoyed that conversation with Allie. Really recommend you check out her webpage, AllieTorben.com. Also check out her podcast, Data Viz Today. You can download it from all the major uh, podcast providers, just like you can with this show, and check out her episodes uh, when they come out. So until next time, this has been the Policy Viz Podcast. Thanks so much for listening. A number of people help bring you the Policy Viz Podcast. Music is provided by the NRIs. Audio editing is provided by Ken Skaggs. Design and promotion is created with assistance from Sharon Satsuki-Ramirez. And each episode is transcribed by Jenny Transcription Services. If you'd like to help support the podcast, please share it and review it on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Policy of His Podcast is ad-free and supported by listeners. If you'd like to help support the show financially, please visit our PayPal page or our Patreon page at patreon.com slash policyviz.